Hi, guys, and welcome back. Listen, before we get started, I have to take a minute because I dropped this podcast last week, and, you know, I had huge expectations because that's how your girl thinks, okay? I think big. But I was so overwhelmed by the amount of emails and DMs and comments and shares that I got that it literally blew my mind. I got so many emails. I could do a podcast for a year just on the emails that you guys sent me with questions. So thank you so much for that support. Please keep telling your friends, share it. I think it's so important for everybody to hear all of what I'm saying and I'm so forever grateful. I can't wait to do more episodes because you guys lit a fire under my ass and you don't even know it because your questions alone gave me so many ideas that I'm never going to run out of topics. All right. So um, I hope you're here for the long run. Another thing that I found really interesting was that as I was reading through everybody's emails and questions, they all sort of had a pattern. It was either about money, uh, how to make it, <laughs> how, about time or about fear. And I thought that was really interesting because I think those are the three things that probably stop most of us from doing things that we really, really want to do. And I plan to cover all of those topics in detail over the series of this podcast. Today, however, I want to talk about money. All right, guys, welcome to episode three of Business Shit. My name is Mimi G and I am your host. Today's topic is stop talking about you broke. You ready? Let's talk some shit. All right, so we're talking about money, but we're talking about how we think about money because changing how you think about money is not an easy thing to do. It's handed down from our parents, our communities, our partners. I know that I, I grew up in a very Latin household, and in my community, the way you think about money is different than how entrepreneurs, self-made millionaires, very wealthy people think about money, right? We're not necessarily taught those things. So if your mom always had a, you know, trouble uh, managing bills or you know, trying to make ends meet or pinching pennies or you know, trying to save, that's probably the same habits that you developed and then you're gonna pass those on to your kids and so on and so on. And I wanted to change that for my family, right? There's always one person in a family that changes the dynamics of that family forever, right? So I wanted to be the person that changed the legacy for my family and for my kids and for my grandkids uh, when I have them. Not yet because I ain't ready to be a grandma. But that's not the point of today's podcast. Today's podcast is about changing the way we think about money because when that happened to me, my life changed completely. Why should the 1% be the only ones winning? Who the hell made that shit up? Stop that way of thinking. I could be the 1%, you could be the 1%. It could be 100%. 100% of us can live the life that we want to live. But if you're conditioned to think that only this 1% of miraculous genius people are the only ones who know how to make money, then you've been taught a bunch of bullshit and you need to erase that from your mind and start all over. Now, I know there's somebody in a car or sitting at home or wherever you are, you rolling your eyes in the back of your head, and here she go again with this positive talk, but real talk, have you tried it? Have you tried to change the way that you think? Now, I say that because how many times in a day do you find yourself complaining about money or what you don't have, or what you wish you had, or what your girlfriend has that you don't have. Like, really think about it. 
You'd be amazed at the amount of times in a day that we complain. We're conditioned to complain. Now, it comes from either how you grew up or how you lived. I don't know where the hell it comes from. But that's what we do. We complain. Hell, even me now, I have to tell myself the minute I find myself complaining about something, I have to change the narrative. I have to change that story in my head. It's not an easy thing to do and it takes practice. But if you practice being grateful more than you practice complaining, you'd be amazed at the difference that that would happen in your life. Now, another thing that's really important about how you think about money is how you think about yourself. Self-image determines what you do, the intensity in which you do it, and what you receive from it. I heard that from Danny Morell when I was sitting listening to him at Relentless, and that was so impactful to me because it's so very true. How you see yourself is not only how other people are going to see you, but it's how the universe sees you, right? Because if you see yourself not as a leader, not as a business owner, not as wealthy, then everybody else is going to see you that way, and that is the energy that you are putting out consistently. My self-image is crucial to me. I see myself as a leader. Shit, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the Oprah of my field, and one why not? Who's going to limit that for me but me? So if I see myself as the Oprah of my field, I expect people to pay me like I'm Oprah, respect me like I'm Oprah, and hell, expect to get free shit from me like I'm Oprah. You get a car, you get a car, everybody get a damn car. Now, what y'all might not know is that I've been broke longer than I have had money. Like, real talk. I'm 41 years old. My business is only four and a half years old, if that. I had been working prior to that a nine to five job trying to make ends meet. And when I tell you I would budget to the penny, I would budget to the penny. None of that changed for me until I had an experience with my old boss that opened my eyes and changed the way I thought about money forever. When I made that realization and started my business, my entire world changed. Now, just before I decided to quit my job, we had gone away for a conference. After that conference, he decided that he wanted to go look at a, at a new car that he was planning on buying, a very expensive car. Now, I had been his executive assistant, so I knew a bit about his business, and I knew that at the moment, he wasn't in the greatest financial place, okay? There had been some difficulties in the business, some things with personal, uh, you know, divorce and child support and all these messy things that happened. And he wasn't, as far as I thought, in the best possible situation to be buying a very, very expensive car. So I said to him, hey, you think this is a good idea? And he looked at me and he said, I live as if. And I thought, yo, this white man is crazy because where I come from, I don't even know what you talk. What? I live as if. What does that even mean? I live as if. I waited. So we was driving back in the car. And then I said, what did you mean by you live as if? And he said to me, I live as if I already have it, as if what I want is already here. If I start to limit myself by thinking I can't afford this car or I can't afford this whatever, I have already I've already hurt myself. I've already limited my thinking and the ability of me getting it. So I live as if. That was crazy to me. Now, I didn't get it at the time, but I didn't realize how important that was going to be for my life. Now, listen, 
Don't go out there writing checks your ass can't cash, trying to buy things, talking about as if. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to go live outside your means because I said, Mimi G said, live as if. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can't limit your thinking. Okay, so if before you, I want to start this business or I have this idea to do something and the first thing that pops into your mind is, but I don't have the money. You've already set yourself up for failure, right? So that is what I mean, but you need to change the way you think. Now that statement, live as if, changed my life forever. It's how I live today. It's how I will live the rest of my life. I do not limit myself in any way. Now listen, you sitting there listening to me go on and on about this, and really the question you're asking yourself is, that's awesome, but how do I change that mindset? Well, first, it's not easy. It takes time and practice. So let's go over some of the things that I personally do to change my thoughts whenever I have negative thoughts and what I did to sort of ingrain that as if mentality into my mind. The first one is you have to realize that energy goes where your focus goes. So if you're always complaining that you don't have it, guess what? You ain't never going to have it because you have already told yourself that you can't. Second, stop worrying about things you can't control. I have a ton of people who come at me with a bunch of questions about starting a business, doing this, that, and the other thing. And all they do is tell me all the things that they can't do because of all of these excuses. And a lot of times it's things that they can't do anything about. There are things that you can control in your life. So why worry about the things that you can't? Let me tell you what you can control. You can control your actions, meaning what you do every day towards your goal, towards your, your, your business, towards whatever it is that you want to create for yourself. You can control how hard you hustle. You can control whether or not you're going to decide to get up at 5 a.m., take your ass to the gym so that you can be healthy and fit in order to run your business, then come home, do your job if you have a nine to five, get off that job, take your ass home, and then work some more, which is what I did. I worked from nine to five, and actually I worked longer than that because in film and production, sometimes you work 16, 18 hour days. Then I would drive an hour and a half one way to get home, and then I would work on my blog or my sewing or my pattern, whatever the hell I had to do. Go to sleep late, wake up early, and then do it all over again. So you can control your hustle. And most importantly, you control what you think. You control what comes in your mind and comes out your mouth, okay? And, and I know that a lot of times we don't realize the negative thoughts that we're having. And I talked about, er, talked about that earlier, but you can control how you change it as soon as it comes into your mind. When I have a negative thought, I immediately replace it with a positive thought. Listen, I'm not telling y'all new shit. This is not new, okay? It just takes practice. And the problem is that people don't really believe. People don't really think that this works, that your brain, that your mind, that your energy has something to do with how you build your life. You 
determine the life that you live. And if, if every day you're complaining about all the shit that you don't have and all the things that you want and you complain about this, that, and everything else, you're creating that energy for yourself over and over again. That's what the universe is going to give you more of. So when I tell you to change the way that you think and to be mindful of what you say to yourself and what you say to others and what you put out, it's because I know for a fact that it has a detrimental effect on your life. Now, here's another thing. Stop doing things because you feel like it or don't feel like it. I talk about this on my Instagram. If you ain't following at Mimi G Style, plug. I talk about this because it's so important. And this is a struggle that I myself had. I was so disciplined in my, in my career. I was disciplined in what I wanted to do and what I wanted to create. But I was not disciplined in my health in my fitness, in my food. That area of my life was straight out of control. And I kept thinking, how do I have the willpower to manage all of these different things in my life, but I cannot seem to manage this? It's because I was going off what I felt like doing. And I never do that in my business. I do my business because I know that these are the steps that I need to do every day to get to where I want to be. I don't always feel like doing things that are that I need to do for my shit. I didn't feel like recording this podcast now because to be quite honest, I'm hungry and I'm tired and I want to go home to my children. But I know that it's imperative that I continue to do something that I committed myself to. And whether I feel like it or not, I need to do it. So stop doing things based on how you feel, because how you feel has nothing to do with what needs to be done. Every time you start to limit yourself with negative talk, I want you to stop, reword what you just told yourself, and repeat it loudly. When you say things, it gives it power. So whenever I say something negative to myself and I don't even realize that I replace it with something positive and I say it out loud to myself, y'all think I'm crazy. I know that y'all think I'm crazy. You're probably rolling your eyes thinking I'm nuts and I'm just talking a bunch of mental stuff. But this is the thing, I'm sitting here and you're sitting there listening to me tell you how to get to where I am, okay? So really evaluate all of the things that I'm telling you and really be honest with yourself when you look in the mirror and see where can I improve? Where am I being negative? Where am I limiting myself? I get a lot of people who send me emails and say, for instance, uh, I really want to be a designer, but I can't afford the Soit Academy, which is one of my companies, if you're not familiar. Now, the Soit Academy is like $12 a month. Now, in my head, I think, how much do you really want this dream? How much do you really want to be a designer that you're letting money keep you from doing something, right? So instead of thinking to yourself, oh, I don't have the money to do this, how about thinking, okay, what can I do to make the $12 every month to cover the Soit Academy that will then teach me all the skills I need to become a designer that I will then use to, to start my hustle that, that will then generate money for me and will eventually get me to my goal. But our first instinct is usually to say, I don't have it instead of what can I do to get it? 
Now, a lot of people are quick to spend money at the club or with their friends, celebrating for your birthday, get your new outfit, and all you're doing is celebrating getting older and broker. And I don't know what broker is the word, but I just made it up. But it's the truth. Look at where you're spending your money. Make a list, which is something that I did very early on. I made a list. Where am I spending my money? Where is it going? Now, I'm not telling you to make a list of all these things that you have to cut out from your life and all that because I'm a true believer in that if you want something, you have to think about how you're going to get it versus what you need to cut down. I hate when people say, oh, I'm going to have to cut this, this, and that down, and I'm going to have to save for this amount of time in order to do this one thing instead of saying... I need to increase my hustle, find some other way to to earn a little bit more income so that I can then fulfill all of these different areas that I want to do in my life. That has to do with changing the way that you think. So here's an actionable to do. Figure out what you need to start your business. Make a list. Tally it up. And I mean everything. doesn't matter if you want to be a blogger, you want to be a content creator, you want to be a podcaster, you want to be a, a designer, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. List everything that you need, that you think you need to start your business, add it all up, and now look at it. And instead of feeling that defeated feeling, which I almost guarantee you you're going to get when you're looking at it because you have limited thinking, and before you start thinking, Figuring out ways to cut down on your life to save for it. Think about how you're going to increase your hustle so that you can cover those costs plus some. The main thing is to stop making excuses. In the world that we live in, you can find a way to make extra cash. And if in order for you to get to where you want to be, you need to figure out some creative ways to earn extra cash. Maybe you have a skill set that you can teach somebody else to do. Or maybe you have something that you could sell. Or I heard Gary B talking to some guy about getting free stuff that people give away on Craigslist, taking that shit home, refurbishing it, and then reselling it. Like really, people, there is no excuse for you not to be able to figure out a way to make some extra cash versus telling yourself you have to limit your life in order to get to where you want to be. All right, as promised, we are at the email segment. Listen, you guys sent me so many emails that it's gonna take me a minute to get to all of them, but I'm gonna try and answer at least two emails every episode, and we're gonna start with Rachel Derrick, who sent me the following. As a blogger working in a niche industry where the majority of brands are quite small and have fairly limited marketing resources, how can you make money from collaborations? I'm already working on a gifted basis with a number of companies, but I feel like they're getting much more from the arrangements than I am. Newsflash, they are getting much more from the arrangement than you are. Listen, I have an entire podcast that I am going to do about making money through your blog, monetizing through your business, uh, from working with brands and doing collaborations. I'm going to tell you exactly what I've done and how I did it. But I wanted to answer this briefly. The very first thing is, even when I didn't have a very large audience, I never took product for payment. The reason I didn't do that is because it would set the tone for how the brand was going to was going to see me and then treat me. Listen, as a business owner, my job is to get as many people to talk about my business 
as much as they can and for it to cost, cost me as little as possible. So do I blame the brands? No. Do I blame us? Yes. The reason I say that is because if we don't require them to pay us, they won't pay you. So now in the beginning, when I started, there were some instances where someone would send me something and I would agree uh, to post it or share it. But I knew on my end what I was getting from it, right? I either knew that, hey, I want a longer relationship with this company. And so therefore, I'm going to show goodwill. But I'm going to show goodwill in a very limited basis. And when they want more, they're going to need to pay more. I did that for about three months before I realized that the $100 product that they were sending me once I posted and shared it, was making them thousands of dollars. And I thought, well, what the hell am I sharing this for? You need to pay me if you want me to share it. Now, it doesn't mean that when someone comes to you with an offer, you don't have, you know, let's say a significant email list or a significant following that you want to charge them a huge amount of money. And I know specifically that Rachel is talking about the DIY community and a lot of the brands that we work with within that industry uh, may not have large marketing budgets. But let me tell you something. They rely on us as much as we rely on them. Now, they know the brands that they have to rely on influencers and bloggers that use their products to share it because people buy based on other people's reviews versus the brand's ads or commercials. We rely more on your friend having used an item and saying that it was good and so therefore you go to use it than we would seeing an ad on television or in, or in a magazine. So the first thing that you need to know is that you are valuable, and so you have to not be afraid to tell them what your price is for whatever scope of work they are asking for. One of the things that I should have mentioned earlier, but I'll just tackle it now, is that we are always afraid to ask for what we know we deserve, especially women. So don't be afraid to say as much as I like your product and I would very much like to build a relationship and work, you know, work together to talk about your product or whatever it is that they're asking you to do. But in order for me to do that, this is what I require. Now, if as a community, we did that, we would have a much stronger stand. Now, I did it very early on, so now I don't have that issue. Even when brands seem to not have a large marketing budget, they set aside the budget to work with me because they know that the ROI, the return on investment is going to be great. And so you have to be able to do the same thing. So I will talk about how to monetize and how to leverage yourself with brands and sponsorships further uh, along in the podcast. But I did want to touch on that, Rachel. If you are feeling like the arrangement is not working for you and you're tired of working for gifted items, then stop. Stop doing it. And then figure out a way to use your own products to generate income, which is what I did. I didn't want to be responsible for having to rely on sponsors and brands to come to me. I wanted to have my own products that I could sell and therefore determine just how much income I was going to generate. All right, second question is from Cynthia Perry. She says, I've been following you for a while on Instagram and I just listened to both episodes of your podcast. You definitely inspired me to move forward with an idea that I've had for a while. I was wondering if I should get it 
patented before I put it on the market. I'm not sure if that's necessary in the fashion world. I do know that it's not a design that I have seen before. Okay, this is one of those questions where unfortunately the answer is you can't really copyright patent fashion. Uh, it's just not one of those things that is easily done and that it's even worth fighting. I have people who knock off my stuff all the time. These, you know, online boutiques in China who as soon as I drop a pattern or I drop a new look, they copy it almost sometimes to the exact fabrication and then put it up for sale. They do this even with my simplicity patterns. You know, initially when it happened, I talked to the lawyers. I was like, can we do anything about it? And it really just isn't worth it. It's not something that you can copyright or that you can patent. Fashion is fashion. The only time really that you have um, the opportunity to do that or that it could stand um, any ground is if there's some sort of technology that is built into the garment, then you would patent it under something else, but not necessarily as a garment. So if you're going to design a dress that you don't think anybody has ever seen before, which is probably really weird because I don't know anything that hasn't been done already. But if you have a design that you, you feel has never been seen and you're afraid of putting it out there because people are going to knock it off, you're, you're just wasting time. You might as well just do it, put it out. You can't avoid it. I mean, how many different versions of the wrap dress do we have? Uh, and DVF is not going around suing everybody who does a wrap dress. You know what I'm saying? So if you have an idea, execute it. Don't worry about that, especially if it's in fashion. All right, guys, I will try and answer as many of these questions as possible. Please keep, uh, keep sending them to me. I know that not all of you want me to answer them on the podcast. And so for those, I will reply via email. But if you have a question, email me at businessshit at gmail.com. I will answer. I will get back to you. Thank you for listening. And remember, in order for your business to succeed, it must be the shit. It needs to solve a problem, help them get past their current stage, earn respect, and build trust. I'm out.